He blew the lid off a secret sex world. Now, the fallout. Were you lying to me then? And six years ago, he wouldn't show his face. Now, if you don't want to be on this show, this will not see the light of day. Next. Welcome back to another episode of Life of Bi. I'm Elle Potter. And I'm Mary Higgins. And this is the podcast where we uncover all the secret bisexuals. This week, we're going on the down low. Imagine finding out your soulmate, the man you share your life with and your bed with, is sneaking out and having sex with other men. That was Oprah, as seen on Oprah. Okay, I'm going to stop doing the accent now. I'm going to carry on. (laughs) Okay. The clip is from a 2010 interview she did with J.L. King. Scandal. Author of On the Download. Sedition. A journey into the lives of straight black men who sleep with men. Sex. Uh Uh-huh. I see your eyes. Hear the video smash cuts to a white woman in the audience. Eyes wide, hands on face. She looks shocked. Bemused. And utterly delighted. She looks like she only just realised that an anus can be used for sex. Here's an extract from the book in question, read by Matthew Jacobs Morgan. I spotted this brother from my pew, ten rows back. His broad shoulders seemed to take up two seats. His physique was not burly, but the definition of his muscles was noticeable through his light wool suit. Every time he turned to smile at his wife, I noticed a dimple on his right cheek. I was new to this church. I made it my business to introduce myself to him after the service. When our eyes locked, I knew. He looked at me just a little too long. Newsday called it the new book girlfriends have got to read. One reviewer said, This book has folks buzzing like a tree full of cicadas. Another called it a good read. There are two words for this. It's called down low, as in living on the down low. It's a dirty little secret that we first talked about six years ago on our show. And we talked then to J.L. King, a husband and a father of two, who was living on the down low. but insisted- King and Oprah are sat together on a sofa. And here the video cuts to the original Oprah interview in 2004, six years earlier. Did not consider yourself gay. No, I don't. King is in a large grey suit, small oval glasses, perfectly trimmed goatee. You don't? No, I don't. Because I can't figure that out. How why is... Do I... He sits up. It's so why do I have to label myself? Okay. Why do I have to put a label myself to make you comfortable? Okay, I don't want to be comfortable. I just want to know what it is. Which means, Oprah, you sort of do want to be comfortable. Yes. In his book, King stresses that he's neither gay or bi. He's just a man who sleeps with men and women. Some might call that bi, but J.L. King doesn't. In the black community, if you come out and say, I'm gay and proud, then automatically people look at you differently, they treat you differently. All of a sudden I become, oh, I want you to meet my gay friend, JL. I want you to meet my gay brother, JL. I want you to meet my gay father, JL. And okay, I and so that, that is the reason why it's called the down low. Down low means I don't want anybody to know. I want to do what I do. I want it. It's my business, and it's none of your business what I do. It's wrong. Okay. Okay, wrong. would down low also mean denial? Denial, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. 
Okay, so obviously cheating isn't great, mm-hmm. but Oprah is really going at him here. Yeah. She's really like pinning him down. Yeah, there's a sense that it is her business, that it's everybody's business, what JL King and other men on the down low are doing. And weirdly, the reason is never mentioned in this clip from the 2004 interview, but it is the AIDS crisis. Yes, the AIDS crisis began in 1981, but AIDS is not history. The New York Times declared the AIDS crisis over in 1996, but in fact, AIDS-related deaths would reach their peak in 2004, the year of J.L. King's interview with Oprah. That year, 3.1 million deaths were reported worldwide. The CDC says nationwide African Americans account for almost half of all new HIV infections each year, and more than one-third of all people living with HIV are black. In the Deep South, the epidemic continues to ravage African American communities. The stigma of HIV has many suffering in silence. People on the front line say the rest of the nation needs to open its eyes. King's mission, as he saw it, was to expose, quote, the deadly secret that is fueling a health crisis in the African-American community. At the time of publishing, one out of every 3,000 women in the US were HIV positive, compared to an alarming one in every 160 black women. And there are, of course, a hundred intersecting reasons for this. Access to healthcare, misinformation and systemic racism, to name a few. But another important factor, according to King, is that some black men are hooking up with other men behind their girlfriends' backs. Were you having unprotected sex? Yes, yes. So when you hear Bridget's story... Here, the camera swings to Bridget. She looks disgusted. Bridget's just been interviewed herself, and the caption under her reads, Husband gave her HIV. Because Bridget's husband was also on the down low. And this is why Oprah is so on King's back. This is why there's so much judgment behind her questioning. HIV has turned a private identity struggle into a public health crisis. And it's the bisexuals, or at least bisexual behaviour, which is seen to be spreading the disease from the demonised gay community into the innocent lives of women and children. But it hasn't always been this way. Let's rewind for a second. Ah, the 70s. What a time to be a bi. Mm, life's a rolling stone. A glam rock. An androgynous dream. Everyone's shagging everyone. There is the septum in sight. The glory days of Bowie, Janis Joplin and Elton John. But it's all about to change. The following headlines are quoted from magazines and newspapers published in the 80s and may be injurious to your health. <laughs> The potential role of bisexuals in heterosexual transmission of AIDS has been gravely underestimated. The figure of the male bisexual has become the bogeyman. The AIDS spectre for women. The epidemic's new bête noire. A creature of uncontrollable impulses. The bisexual is a homosexual posing as a heterosexual. Then, having villainized bisexuality for over a decade... The media does yet another 180 in the 90s and early noughties and demands to know why young men aren't hurrying to come out. In 2003, the New York Times publishes an article called Double Lives on the Down Low by Benoit Denizet Lewis, a self-identified white gay man who goes on a tour of the black down low clubs. He asks, how should guys on the DL be regarded? Whose responsibility are they? Are they gay, straight or bisexual? If they're gay, why don't they just tough it up, come out and move to a big city? If they're straight, what are they doing having sex with guys in parks? If they're bisexual, why not just say that? Why indeed? 
it's like for for guys if you've had a sexual experience with a guy you're gay point blank that's it that's it close the door close the door and, and way too many people feel that way male and female you know there's women out there that say oh he's he's been with a guy he's gay i don't want anything to do with him he's just going to do that again and then i'm going to look stupid that's dr marcus patterson He's a clinical psychologist practicing in Washington, D.C. and Virginia with a specialism in helping young queer people of colour. JL later clarified that anyone can be on the down low, but his book was very explicitly aimed at black men. And we asked Marcus why. But speaking, you know, as a black man and in the black community, there, there is a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure to conform and not be a punk or a sissy or, or soft or whatever, or whatever these other nonsense adjectives are that are that are correlated and assigned with being gay or 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 being bisexual which gives us some clue as to why king drew a distinct line between sleeping with someone of the same gender and queerness yeah in fact the term msm men who sleep with men was invented for people like king in the 90s because hiv had revealed just how many men who sleep with men identify as straight and you know manhood and masculinity that's Historically, you know, in terms of the black community, it's been something that's been very, very important because of our struggle, you know, in this country and and everything we've had to go through. You had to be the stalwart, head of household, <laughs> strong, you know, infallible, you know, and stern and 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 you know that 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 strong guy in order to protect your your house. <laughs> you know, you had to be, you know, in order to protect your your family, protect yourself. From the world that's coming to get you. Back on Oprah in 2010, J.L. King has another word for this pressure to be a man. The fear is what kept me on the down low. The fear of losing my family, the fear of losing my children, Mm -hmm. the fear of hurting my parents, the fear of losing my relationships with cousins and the extended family and, and the church. So the only way to preserve your reputation and fuck you you like is to lie? Yeah, yeah. King isn't really left with any other option. No. Because there is no bisexuality, like there is no, there's no sense of middle ground. Mm. Because the homophobic stereotype of gay men being like effeminate and soft and sissy means you can't sleep with men, even if you also sleep with women, and be a real man. Yeah, so if you are a real man, and King would say that he definitely is one, you just can't be gay. Now, I pressed JL every which way I could, and he emphatically, on that show six years ago, denied being gay. He's back with us today, and I hear you have something you want to say. First of all, glad to be back. And um, thank you. a lot has happened in my life over the past six years. Mm-hmm. The first thing is I have accepted the fact that I am a black, gay, proud man. And So what changed? But I met some very strong, powerful gay men over the past six years mm-hmm. who almost took me through a how-to-be-gay crash course and taught me and showed me that who you sleep with does not define who you are. King needed to find masculine gay role models before he could take pride in his sexuality. But he's still really careful to separate his gayness from his identity. Like, it doesn't define who he is. Yeah, even in his pride, King still resists the characteristics he associates with gayness, like being effeminate and weak. It's remarkable, not remarkable, not even really surprising how many of my gay male clients are bodybuilders. Or at least, or at least, are in the gym. You know what I mean? Like if they're not competing, they're freaking ripped because they don't want to look. They don't want to look weak. You know, they don't want to. They don't want to be perceived as a, as as soft. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to to knock somebody out if they come for them the wrong way. Yeah. 
You know, it's a, it's a strength, it's a strength proposition. Mm. But muscles alone can't prove you're a man. I didn't know that you can still be a father, that you still can have... You didn't know there were gay fathers? I knew there was gay fathers, but in, where I grew up, in the churches I attended, I would hear every Sunday that God don't love you, mm-hmm. that you are less than a man. Yeah. That if you're gay, you're a pedophile. Yeah. You know, I did not want to have that type of label on my life. I didn't want to hurt my family. And more important, I didn't want to face my ex-wife. King has a whole chapter on the black church. His first experience of being on the down low was with the leader of his church group, and he says it's actually really commonplace to cruise for other men. In fact, he describes how a friend of his, called Greg, actually had sex with his pastor. But the pastor, unbelievably, still continued his sermons against homosexuality. In fact, he started preaching even more about the subject, Greg said. I would sit there and listen to him condemn two men lying together, knowing the truth. So King's very critical of the church in his book, but his anger stems from disappointment. The church should be a treasured part of his life. For many of us, the church is the anchor of our lives. The black church has been a central place for people to seek salvation and acceptance. The church has been the place where most turn where there is no place else to turn. It was the black church that helped usher in the civil rights movement and provided much of the support to rid our nation of Jim Crow laws. However, on the issue of HIV-AIDS, it's as if the church were in denial. The message of fire, brimstone, and damnation are not working. Christian, from last episode, had a very similar story, didn't he? Yeah. It's just depressingly repetitive. Like, I don't want, I don't want to shit on Christianity. <laughs> it doesn't actually give you very much choice. <laughs> and it's such a betrayal as well. Like, the answer is so simple. Love mm. is love. But back on Oprah in 2004... JL says it's not about love. It's not, not, I'm in love, let's get married, let's move together, have the perfect dog. Not even let's have any kind of relationship beyond sex? If I was gay, yes. If I was a gay man, I may want to be in a relationship with another man. Okay. And and play house. But when you're on a DL, all you want to do is have sex. It's about gratification, not orientation. I got that. It's frustrating Mm. because, like, you really want to be on King's side here, but... He's not really helping himself. No. <laughs> no. I mean, there's a version of this interview where J.L. King like goes to Oprah like, look, I can't help who I love. You yeah. Know? This is a part of me and it's a real struggle. If he wanted to seek forgiveness, you, you could do it that way. Yeah. But instead he says, and I sort of respect it. No, it's just about sex. Yeah. And sometimes sex is just about sex. Yes, but unfortunately, and I think this is one of the reasons why this Oprah interview has like needled away in our brains for quite a while, <laughs> is because everything he says in the 2004 interview plays into like dirty stereotypes mm. about bisexual people, like that you're greedy, you're irresponsible, you're sex mad. Yeah, and you're actually gay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just a spicy cocktail. And crucially, I don't think it's JL's fault. No, no, but... He does pour a huge amount of blame onto black men who sleep with men yes. and profits off it, which isn't great. Yes. These men are selfishly risking the lives of their women and their families. These men lie and they cheat. They refuse to let their women go, but they also refuse to give up having sex with men, even when they could lose everything, including their own lives. But he's part of a wider culture and like that's how the papers were reporting it and Oprah is also playing into the drama like were you silent or were you silent (laughs) like that's why she is so fun to watch she just knows how to sell it yeah well she's a storyteller but the best story isn't always the truest one 
and I actually think this interview with JL is a real steal because it's the second time she's had him on. Uh-huh. So she can construct like a before and after, a beginning, a middle and an end. Yeah, like in the beginning, JL is a happily married straight man. Yeah, in the middle, JL is a lying, <laughs> cheating bastard sleeping with men and women and then he meets Oprah. <laughs> and in the end, he comes out as a gay man and everyone applauds. Rightfully. It, yeah, it's a happy ending. Yeah. It's a redemption arc. But also that's sticky because if coming out as gay is the redemption then the bisexual behaviour is the sin. Yes, or really it's lying that's the sin. And bisexual behaviour is almost framed as a lie in itself. Because what strikes me is that no point in this interview is bisexuality ever entertained as a possibility. (laughs) It's like, you like both? But that's not possible. (laughs) Like, you must be lying about one of them. Yeah, it does make me wonder, like, if JL King had come out as bi, not gay... Would anyone have applauded? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's not a satisfactory ending because like bisexuality in this story equals chaos. (laughs) So it can't be the end of a story. It's not triumphant if also, it's not triumphant for Oprah if he just comes back and he's like, yeah, actually I was lying, but also my sexual urges are exactly the same. Yes, because there would be no transformation Mm. and Oprah and us watching it, we wouldn't get that redemptive arc. Which is interesting in terms of like how more generally we understand our sexuality in the context of a lifetime. Uh-huh. So Marjorie Garber um, wrote an amazing book on bisexuality. It's called Vice Versa. And she posits two ways of understanding bisexuality in life. One is um, concurrent, meaning bisexuals are people who are sleeping with different genders at the same time. At the same time? At eh? the same time. <laughs> I mean... Technically difficult. Yeah, define same time. But the other way of seeing it is... Uh, sequential so like if you slept with and or loved people of different genders within your lifetime then that's bisexuality yes which complicates this idea of transformation yes if you're always transforming yeah because there's no end to that story until you die (laughs) (laughs) who knows what they get up to in the afterlife After looking so much into the AIDS crisis and the historic struggle between masculinity and queerness, we had to ask ourselves the question, is it harder for bisexual men than it is for bisexual women? We asked Dr Patterson what he thought. It's much easier, I think, for for women in in the the pop culture sense that we hear to to express their sexuality in that way and and experiment or just come out as as bisexual and, and live that lifestyle where there's much more of a stigma uh, for guys. It's like for, for guys, if you've had a sexual experience with a guy, you're gay, point blank, that's it. And, and way too many people feel that way, male and female. You know, there's women out there that say, oh, he's, he's been with a guy, he's gay, I don't want anything to do with him. He's just going to do that again. And then I'm going to look stupid. It's funny that the baseline assumption for all bisexuals is that you're just attracted to men. Yes. Like, speaking in binary terms, if you're a bisexual man... People think you're a gay man who isn't ready to come out all the way. Mm -hmm. But if you're a bisexual woman, people think you're a straight woman pretending to fancy girls to like be more interesting (laughs) or like gratify the male gaze. Yeah, it's actually like it's like we're all on a slide. All bisexuals are on a slide and cis men are waiting at the bottom. (laughs) Just patiently waiting for gravity. (laughs) Everyone's like clinging to the sides going like, no, 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 no. It's funny, though, because the historical baggage that bisexual men carry is really heavy with homophobia in a way that, like, it just isn't with bisexual women. We, we're not carrying the same baggage. No. Well, I mean, according to history, like, lesbians didn't exist until about 10 seconds ago. Yeah. So our baggage is more about 
the sexualization of women in general. So it's almost like whereas bisexual women have to like constantly fight against sexualization and say like we're not doing this to be sexy, it's about love. JL King in contrast is very clear in his interview that it's all about sex. Yes. Like it has nothing to do with love. Yeah, and when he says that he is unfortunately reinforcing how the media often portray gay men. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think one of the things that made the AIDS AIDS crisis so dehumanising for queer people was the absence of love and how it was reported. Mm. Because, like, queer queer love and queer life was reduced to just irresponsible sex. So, like, like, the government authorities didn't have to face the fact that they were letting people die because of who they loved. Yeah, and, like, I guess one of the things that we're trying to do here is to find out about queer history and, like, find our bisexual ancestors... But the truth is that there's just like this huge gaping hole in that history. Mm. And like thousands of our bi ancestors have just been stolen from us. Yeah, so we have fewer ancestors, fewer role models than we should. Yeah, and fewer stories than we should. We're going to finish this episode by taking you a long, long way back in time. Back to ancient China, in fact, in around 500 years BCE. A time where emperors regularly courted male lovers alongside their wives where bisexuality, would you believe it, was the norm. And from this time period, during the Chu dynasty, a beautiful story emerged. The legend of the bitten peach. The legend of the bitten peach. Once upon a time, there was a duke, Duke Ling of Wei. And he had a lover. A lovely loving lover. Named Mitzi Sha. One day, Mitzi Sha was strolling through a perfumed orchard with the duke. Suddenly... Mitzi Shah's nostrils quivered. There was a particularly delicious scent in his nose, a scent more delicious than any of the rest. Mm. They walked further, before coming across a peach tree. The peaches hung heavy, pink and orange and gold. The Duke had to get back for an important meeting, but before they moved off again, Mitzi Shah quickly plucked a peach from the branch and took a bite. The peach was perfectly ripe, sweet and tender, the flesh not too soft. Mitzi Shah closed his eyes and savoured the taste. It was so delicious, he could hardly resist it, and he went to take another bite. But then he stopped himself. Here, he said to the Duke, have the rest of this peach. You won't believe how bloody scrummy it is. And the Duke did eat. As he bit, his eyes rolled back in his head. And then the Duke looked Mitzi Shah full in the face. How sincere is your love for me, exclaimed the ruler. You forgot your own appetite and think only of giving me good things to eat. Now that's what I call love. Sadly, aristocratic romance is pretty thin on the ground these days. Uh, We just don't have no dukes no more. Well, we do, but they're all morally questionable. And ageing. And paedophiles. So how do you find your own Ling of Way now? Have you managed to find love? Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> On Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> Very so, much. Yeah, on IG. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, do, do you yeah. feel like... Um, the internet is a good place to find other queer people. I do believe, especially for, for queer people, the internet is the place to be. 
next time on Life of Bi. I'm on a side of TikTok called the alt TikTok. You attracted the men though too, right? <laughs> yeah. I just want to like put forth like a good message and um, see, um, try to relate to other people. I'm bisexual. <laughs> I like women and men. Smack. <laughs> She goes, duh. She like, uh. she like circles her ass. Mm. It took me 24 years of my life to realize that being bisexual for women is mostly just hatefully enjoying the presence of some men and then like being really terrified of women. I just want to say, and it ain't over till the bisexual.